being like Russell Crowe in Gladiator right now. <laughs> Work the people up. Hi, it's actually Gareth. <laughs> is it? Yeah, and even that is getting old. You, you At never, this point. Even, never, I'm getting, but you never, sick. how come you never told me that? I've been very clear. I'm on record. Uh, hi, Chicago. Your city's hot. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. This is a good show. Oh, thank you. Um, should we bring out our guest? Yeah. The guest. Do you want to say the thing? Say the thing. And then do it? Okay. And now it's going to be weird. Um... I can't remember how it goes. All right, bring out the fucking uh, guest. No, this Jesus is, uh, look, this is a, an American history podcast. Each week, I read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. That's it. Yeah. There's a, a definite lack of, exci- of excitement from you guys. Should have seen New York. Um, so, uh... Uh, your comic coming out. I wanted to find a guy who was a local uh, Chicago guy who I thought was really funny. So I looked. Uh, I I watched a lot of YouTubing, whatever you guys call it, uh, looking at comics, and this guy really made me laugh. So uh, he is a local comedian. Well, he's gonna leave soon, but you had your chance. You had your shot. You, you fucked it up. This is my way of saying and you, you fucked, fucked it up. up. Sorry, you're Catherine Heigl. You've done fucked up. Waited too long and I was looking at you the whole time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, David Hellum. What's going on? Yeah, there's like they're pockets not, of excitement. Yeah, so there's don't, don't expect a bunch see, so what's far going is on? what I've felt. And two people are like, go, oh, go, and everyone's like, this is like a cult are following. We answering? Yeah. Are we answering? What are we doing? They right. don't know how to be a good cult because they were very unenthusiastic for a moment. And most cults are right, yeah, most ready cults. to murder for you. Right, you guys should be ready. Which to, we'll be getting to later. You guys should be ready to kill yourselves for us. Is that right? I think you definitely overstepped, for sure. Meet you out in the desert. We'll get a okay. bunker of some sort. All right, no way. Well, I'll take a drink and we'll go to the spaceship. Actually, I've come around. I've come around to the plan. Hey, uh, hey, David. What's up, Dave? February 9th, 1914. <laughs> now they're here. They love this shit, y'all. Bill Veek was, was born. She's already into it. I know. What Best podcast I've heard. Is it Vec? Why does he have two E's in his fucking name? Uh, what kind of asshole spells his name V-E-E-C-K and it's called Vec? What? Well, he's fucked up. He's a fucking asshole. Who would do that? All right, all right. V-E-E-C-K. Look. I was like, I read that and I'm like, there's no way that's anything but Veek. Right. <laughs> And then this guy's a total douche, but I'm not doing this one. No, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We're going to have, we're gonna have, to we're gonna have some talks. I'll read it. <laughs> I don't know how to read it. All right, Bill Veck. Who's was already an asshole. His father, William Veck, 
Senior was a sports writer. I think it's Veek, actually. <laughs> was a sports writer who wrote a bunch of columns uh, about how he would have run the Chicago Cubs better than the team's owner. The Cubs owner then took him up on it and gave him the job of president of the Chicago Cubs. Oh, my God. This was a different time. <laughs> All right, do it then. Yeah, you want to fucking run it? Run the goddamn baseball uh, team. Well, actually, wait. I might have misspoke. Um... While his dad ran the team, young... His dad's now the manager of the Cubs. Yeah. You know, he's the president. <laughs> the president, sorry. So he hires the manager. Did they have CEOs back then? Like, like was that a thing back in the 1940s? Uh, yeah, they must have. I would think so. I don't know. I never heard CEO like... Yeah, that's before, true. When did CEO like, start? Like 1983 or some shit. I don't know. Some guy was like, I'm the chief executive officer. People were like, what? what is the fuck just is the president? happening? Who's this guy? While his dad ran the team, young Bill worked as a popcorn vendor at the stadium. <laughs> he continued to work for the Cubs, doing many jobs like groundskeeper and ticket salesman, learning all about the club, and eventually became the club treasurer. In 1937, he came up with the idea to grow ivy on the outfield wall. Well, that didn't oh, stick. Shit. And that... <laughs> Foolhardy. And that is the end of the podcast. <laughs> so many twists and turns. It was a shorty. In 1941, Vec became an owner. He partnered with former Cubs star Charlie Grimm and bought the AAA Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Woo! No All one right. cares about the Brewers. I don't. You're right. Bernie does. <laughs> Feel the burn, and then he drops into a liter of beer. <laughs> There, Bill put his unique style of getting fans to games to work. He was the ultimate promotion man. He gave away prizes almost every night, and often it was a live animal. Jesus. That is... That's a real commitment gift. Uh, I don't want to raise a pig, sir. You did it! <laughs> you shouldn't have had seat number 14 in you row win. B. You won a water buffalo. Aren't you excited to bring it home to your family? Play with it? No. It's going to change your life. You won't be able to remember life before you had a water buffalo domesticated in your home. <laughs> no, you have to take it. That is, no, there's no negotiating. He goes with you. You said in 44G. <laughs> now I'm done. He gave away live lobsters. Oh, Okay. I mean, I'm that hoping, sounds about right. I'm yeah, hoping they were in a like a water. <laughs> uh, pigeons. What? That's such a weird leap. Lobsters. You're like, oh, okay, people like to eat those. What a pigeon? He's like, no, it's yours. Ch chickens. That's better than a pigeon. It's just better yeah, than a pigeon. Way better. No, it's more. It's more realistic. I mean. I don't know if it, I'm not saying pigeons aren't real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. I mean, it's, it's more a realistic gift to get as far as what you can use. You can't really use a pigeon. Mike I mean, Tyson Because they're pigeons. not real, right? No, they're real. What about Jury's Tyson? Out. I said, Mike Tyson had, like, he had pigeons for pets. Oh, he you know did, yeah. Like, he did that show. Pigeons are useful. We just don't know how to, how to get there yet. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Once we figure it out. Well, I think pigeons were more useful before phones. Oh, yeah. I feel like they've gotten less useful over time. <laughs> they were nature's drone for a while. 
Uh, he also gave away guinea pigs. What is this guy doing? Did he just like hit an animal train and was just like, shit, shit, how am I gonna clean this mess up? I'll give him away. And a sway-backed horse. A wet horse? No fucking, some fucking guy went to a game and walked out with a horse. What does a suede back mean? Sway backed. What? Sway backed? Oh, it's old? That just means an old horse? Oh, it's like a broken horse? Like if you sit on it, it's just gonna like they snap in half. Yeah, I, I, I think wow. that's that picture too, that like cartoony like bend in its back. Well, that's where he's like, what a Kill great me. what a great gift. Yeah. Hey, here's an almost dead big thing. Why don't you feed it for a while? Yeah. Oh, and no riding it. No benefit. He no. Can't take it. I just... mean, you can ride the lobster if you want to ride something. Yeah. Trust me. Or the pigeon, but again, we don't believe in those. Those aren't even real. Fake fucking bird. Be a chicken. Most of the promotions were not announced in advance. He wanted the fans to come to games for the surprise. Clearly, clearly, yeah. It's almost like terrorism. That is spin, too. That's not like he was like, it'll be more surprising. He was like, people won't take it. If... Uh, the, uh, the world war was on, and so he scheduled morning games for overnight workers at war plants and served a breakfast of cornflakes to everyone. Oh. That's nice. That's nice, man. Such a weird era. Uh, he right, helped... How's everyone liking their cornflakes? You guys liking them? All right, let's play ball. All right, let's play baseball. <laughs> Tuesday, you know what I mean? Uh, he held weddings at home plate. The team was very successful. They won three pennants in his first four years. Then he sold the team for a $275,000 profit. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. nice. Bill then went to fight in the war. He was assigned to an artillery unit. Did not go well. <laughs> On uh, a Pacific island, a recoiling artillery piece crushed his leg and his foot was amputated. Mm. He gave it away to a fan. He was like, take it. <laughs> yeah, it's the game's prize today. Yeah, it's all yours. <laughs> like, that's the mold, just cut. Cut, you keep finding fresh flesh. Keep trying. Next, Bill put together a group to buy the struggling Cleveland Indians. He put up 268000 uh, for a 30% share of the club. Now he was in the major leagues. And he wanted to bring his fun promotion stunts with him, but the other major league owners Jesus. did not care for that sort of thing and were very against it. That's just... Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. It's going to get weird. <laughs> I, got a, I got that feeling. When Bill proposed a baseball cap giveaway, the Yankees general manager vetoed it, saying, Do you think I want every kid in New York walking around in a Yankee cap? Wow. Yes! It's amazing that there was a time when that was like a valid point. It'll be ridiculous! They'll think that everyone's on the team! <laughs> but uh, Bill wasn't deterred. He continued with the promotions he'd been doing with his previous team. He moved the club to a bigger stadium, removed the door to his office, and listed his home phone number in the phone book. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Just go ahead and give me a call and tell me what you think of the team. What's going on with Jackson at second? Please stop calling. I'm uh, not going to answer that question again. It's 3 a.m., sir. Yeah, give me a fucking answer. 
Uh, his leg continued to get worse, and he had to have it amputated above the knee. Oh, so it just it just moved up over life. Yeah. Right? So it just like it's slowly. creeping up the. I don't know how I don't know how that happens. I mean, I think that's bad doctoring. He's not cutting enough off. The idea is you're staving it off by losing it. He's well, like, wow, it was really high. Turns out, gonna need to lose that dick. Okay. <laughs> It's high. We don't know where it stops. <laughs> Take that head. By too, the way, baby. this is a different kind of operation. Yeah, you can't amputate. Excuse me. 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 I'm a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. Oh God, amputating. Oh my God. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. No teeth. He threw a party to celebrate his leg being amputated. <laughs> wow, what? I wonder what was on the, like the flyer for that shit. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. just come on down. We're getting rid of half of my my fucking leg. Grab a party. Oh, a cake God. shaped like a leg, <laughs> right? Yeah, he eat the leg. The cake. lamp from like a Christmas story. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like his real leg though. <laughs> Go ahead, turn it on and off. Don't sniff it. <laughs> oh shit. Bill would live uh, with a series of wooden legs. Like roommates? <laughs> like hard legs, like guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just walk in, what's up, guys? Uh, so he would, get a, he would get wooden legs every once in a while, and being a smoker, he would cut holes in them to use as an ashtray. <laughs> wow. As disgusting as that is, you can't fight a guy who's ashing into his own leg. Oh, that guy's amazing. That's a good man. That's super gangster. No, okay. yeah, you that guys really like, is, you want a piece of me? Hold on. Uh, actually, never mind. Never Put mind. Put that out. <clears throat> um, in 1946, Bill signed the American League's first black player, Larry Doby. Doby said Bill got rid of the Cleveland players who refused to shake his hand. Max... Hatkin was known as the Clown Prince of Baseball. The Clown Prince of Baseball? Yeah. You would remember him if you saw his face. He, <laughs> he, he was like, you know, those guys, like a super rubbery face. Can like stretch it all around and make goofy faces. Just good, fun stuff. What? <laughs> what? You know a guy who's what? got like a yeah. super elastic kind of, he's like, ooh, yeah, they okay. do all that shit. So he's, he's one of those guys. Head. But he puts on a baseball uniform and he's like entertainment at the baseball games. Like, but uh, why do they phrase it like that? The clown he was prince? the clown prince of baseball? Yeah. Because that was his nickname. Oh. All right, good answer. <laughs> That's like uh, this guy we have here named uh, Ronnie Woo Woo Jenkins. You don't know Ronnie? Yeah. 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 He's like, like a wino. Like, and you just see him like stumbling around the, the street outside of Wrigley, like fucked up after every game. Swear to God. And everyone just knew him because he was a drunk outside of Wrigley? They love him. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. Oh, he goes woo woo the whole game? He, he did a very Nobody good shot him. Never happened? He's got a full uniform. He's a whino. Okay. He's a whino. He's 60. Yeah, he sounds like he's, yeah, it sounds like he could be doing other more productive stuff. I like the way it panned out. Woo-woo. Woo-woo. And then he just goes home and sits in front of his wife. Woo-woo. Fuck, just go to the game. Woo-woo. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, so there's a clown prince of baseball who used to tour minor league stadiums. He had a face that seemed like it was made out of rubber. He wore a big baggy uniform and a hat that was always askew. Right? So he's that guy. What is that guy you're talking about? He's, he's, like a, sound... he's an idiot. Yeah, he's okay. As long as we agree he's that he's... He's a professional sounds... moron. Right, okay. 
He's just got a rubber face you know, and wears like his hat weird. And, and people are like, you got to get a load of this guy. His face and his hats on. It's just very entertaining. Just, like He is the clown prince of baseball. We always say he, that. He'd do like a fake slide into third and fall over, that kind of stuff. He didn't make it. Yeah. He was basically just a big goofy idiot and Bill hired him to be the Indian's third base coach. Puzzling move. You're not going to meet a funnier guy. He doesn't understand the metrics of the game, but he is very funny when he's. Oh my God! People. When a when a player's running towards third and he makes one of those faces. He does. He does it by his signals or through his. It's very distracting. It is. Uh... Uh, the fans loved it, but the American League owners were furious. They were just furious that they hired him, or just um, that. Yeah, they were just mad that he had hired that guy. Right. Do you, have, do you have any other nope. questions? Is there no, any, more, no, no. any more grilling that's going to happen? Well, I think grilling's a strong term for mm. what was just occurring, obviously. In 1948, the Indians made it to the World Series. The combination of Bill's promotions and a good team led to an attendance record for the league. He then changed things up for the World Series. Tickets had always been sold in sets for all home games, which made it difficult for the common fan to attend, and Bill sold single-game tickets. How the fuck did they never think of that? Yeah. <laughs> Man, we can't get anybody into the World Series. It's just like half full. <laughs> what about selling people tickets? I don't know. Uh, Seems like nothing's going to work. Yeah, next thing you know, everyone's going to be walking around in a Yankees They'll hat. be wearing the hats. It'll be a whole thing. Everybody will be on the team. But the payroll. Uh. More fans than ever watched the World Series that year, and the Indians won. The next oh. season, the Indians finished. Did someone just say yay? As it... <laughs> So someone here is excited about Cleveland winning a World Series in 1948. Uh, was that the last one? Was it the last one that Cleveland won? Yeah. All right. Maybe Dylan Chanel. I don't know. That's good. Maybe it's a curse because uh, okay. the team name is uh, fucking racist. The Indians? You're talking yeah, the, the name okay. Indians is fucked up. It I is. was going to say the Cubs is not racist against Bears. <laughs> The Cubs is super, super racist against little tiny cute bears. Yeah. But you can't even fight, like, the Indian's name when the Redskins are still no, out I there No, I know. The Redskins around. make everybody like, look horrible. You, I mean, you are like, yeah, we'll get to you, but at, what the fuck are you doing over there, please, <laughs> sir? <laughs> yeah. We're all offended by that, but put a pin in that, because what? Um... So, right, we're, uh, right. so uh, next right. year they finish third. They're eliminated from the playoffs. The day they're eliminated from the playoffs, mm-hmm. Bill stages a funeral in the stadium <laughs> and buried the 1948 World Series flag. <laughs> it would have been... Uh, imagine if he buried the guys. <laughs> I'm pissed. I am pissed off at their effort. That's gotta be so. I'm just um, like some uh, some mental illness going on with this dude. Yeah, like it's not. Like, it's and definitely I'm, not it's normal. It's starting to turn a little bit. I'm starting to come around. It feels very bipolar. Yeah. Uh, so when he buried the flag, it turns out a lot of the players were furious. <laughs> you know, because they had won that the year before. <laughs> oh, I didn't understand. There was there was only one. Oh, that's interesting. But one of the reasons Bill buried the flag was because he was done. He had already decided to sell the team. He needed money because he was getting divorced. Bill was don't, out of... Don't look at me like that. I feel Bill, like he's... 
like he's he's Steve Carell from The Office. Like 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 that's just some he doofus. Is Steve Carell from <laughs> the Office. It's just like some some dude who has no idea what the fuck he's doing. He just does shit. Well, for the come on, we're gonna go bury the flag. You know how we do it. <laughs> Uh, so, uh... Anyone want a chicken, or... A foot? Bill was out of baseball for a little while, and then he bought the St. Louis Browns in 1951. That's a baseball team. Okay. Uh, the first night, he gave a free beer or soda to everyone in the stadium. But Bill really wanted to blow people's minds. Quote. Jesus. (laughs) That already is a little crazy. So, (laughs) oh boy. Oh gosh. I'm tearing up. Oh, no. (laughs) Quote, what can I do that is so spectacular that no one will be able to say he had seen it before? The answer is perfectly obvious. I will send a midget up to bat. (laughs) (sighs) You sound like a fun guy to me, man. I don't don't know. (laughs) There's so much to love about that. Uh... The idea that that there was a time when people would be like, "This is the you thought that rubber faced third base coach was a hit. They got a little man who's a grown up hitting the ball, trying to. They're <laughs> 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 gonna throw regular balls at the little baby boy. It's just very fun." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we lost him. <laughs> See, I think it's like strategic because you had, you had people who were probably getting in trouble for using the N-word, so he brought out people that would have to use the N-word to try to just balance that. You know, I don't know. I think that's right. <laughs> he can use the M-word. We can't use it because he, he can talk to other M's like, hey, is this racist? What's going on? Are we heightists? What are we doing? Six weeks into the season, in a game against the Detroit Tigers, a three-foot, seven-inch player walked out of the dugout and up to the plate. All right, it is funny. It is funny. It's funny. He's actually in the game. Yeah. Actually, okay. Oh, he is in the actual game? He's in the game. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. I thought it was just like a, a little stunt. No. And he... I do mean little. <laughs> no, he brought him up in the middle of the game. <laughs> oh, he comes awesome. out to pitch hit. <laughs> and could you imagine the player that... You're pitch hitting what? Yeah, I'm going to go out there and hit it far. So he took somebody's spot. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Peterson, you're not batting today. This, this little guy's here. He's going to bat. I'm sorry, We what? got him a baby's uniform. We put it on him, and we're just going to send oh. him up there. Pee-wee. Pee-wee. Pee-wee's coming. Pee-wee's coming. Come on, Pee-wee. All right, get on my back. We'll take you out to the dugout. (laughs) And Pee-wee, don't watch your head, okay? He wore the number (laughs) (laughs) one-eighth. You know... This is so demeaning. uh, And they're making it hard to fight against. It's very... The umpire stopped the game and demanded to see a contract. (laughs) And then he pulled out like a note card. (laughs) Here it is, sir. I think I'll find all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. The Browns manager produced a contract to prove the small man was a legitimate player. The crowd went wild. (laughs) 
as the pitcher tried to hit the tiny strike zone. <laughs> and of course, he walked the batter. Oh my God. I didn't know the uh, strike zone was proportional to your height. I didn't know it yeah, changed. Yeah. Who it's knew all that? about your, yeah, it's about your body size. So, so in this case, it's a tiny, tiny strike zone. He's getting on base. I mean, it takes him a while to climb up. But. They, the next... <laughs> the next day, they made a rule against uh, little tiny guys. But that's also fucked up. You could have a little... He ruined it for, all, for the one that might have been good. You know what I mean? It they're, they're, they're Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Little guy's Jackie Robinson is never going to be because they were like, well, this can't be a thing. It could be a movie called One Eighth. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Pee the Wee story. <laughs> and most of the movie is just the top of his hat. days later, Bill had what he called Grandstand Manager Night. He gave everyone sitting behind home plate dugout cards with yes and no printed on them, and during the game, they were asked whether to steal or bunt or hit and run. What? While the manager sat in a rocking chair. <laughs> what? The fans managed a game. This, but I would watch more baseball if this was going on. I would watch if, that. This would be my team. I would watch that. They won the game. <laughs> Bill then tried to move his team to Baltimore because the St. Louis Cardinals were the big uh, money team in town, and his uh, fellow owners vetoed the move. They hated Bill. (laughs) Bill was losing a lot of money. He sold the stadium and became a tenant in his own stadium. He sold a bunch of players to keep the team afloat. He sold his ranch in Arizona, and by the last game of the season, the Browns ran out of baseballs, (laughs) and they had to use scuffed-up balls that they practiced with. He finally sold the club to a Baltimore syndicate, and the owners immediately approved the team move. He kept trying to buy his way back in. He tried to buy the A's and the Tigers, and then he tried to buy Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. Uh, see, that, that's, that's the problem, right? I mean, if you're like, well, I tried to buy two more teams, I'm going to buy the circus. Uh, he ran a AAA Miami team for a season. Finally, an opportunity rose in Chicago. Easy. The White Sox ownership was in disarray, if you can believe that. (laughs) The owner had died, and her kids were fighting over control of the team. And after two years of fighting, the daughter, who had been given the majority of controlling stock, sold it to a consortium Bill put together. He still had to fight off the other kids in court, but but eventually won. And now he controlled 54% of the White Sox. On his first day, he invited sports writers to have 54% of a cup of coffee. (laughs) Genius, man. Yeah, he's that, the that best. Is, that is great. That 50. Is great. <laughs> if you're a sports writer, you're like, I'm glad you're back because sometimes I don't know what to write about, but you're a train wreck. <laughs> I'd be mad uh, at that. Yeah, that is true. Someone's probably like, it's actually 62%. Ooh, yeah. Sorry. It's a lot more people than I thought there would be, so. At the 1959 home opener, the White Sox set off fireworks at the start of the game. 
All 19,000 fans were given a free beer. Bill was back. <laughs> Children, too? <laughs> he gave away orchids on Mother's Day, and on the same day, the fan sitting in the lucky chair was given 36 live lobsters. <laughs> what just happened? You united. Yeah! What in the fuck do you do with that? You have a lobster party. I know, but lobster who? Rolls. But that's how many people do you know? You got to come friends. over for lobster. You, you, like, you got to have it quick. Yeah, I wouldn't no, know. It's true. To do Time with is that. of the essence. I might set them loose in the <laughs> lake. I guess. <laughs> Dave, they're all dead. Uh, they didn't life. take to lake life too they much. They love lakes. They didn't take to Lobsters the lake life. Lobsters love lakes. <laughs> Other fans got a thousand cans of beer. <laughs> yeah. You link up with that lobster man, have yourself a day, sir. A thousand pies? A burden, a total burden. That's a meal right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's the amount of pie where you're just like, God damn it. One week of nothing but pies, and I still only got pies on the horizon. I fucking hate pie! Uh, a thousand cupcakes and a hundred free dinners, not a thousand. Oh. Just, yes, just yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, he had free days for cab drivers and bartenders because <laughs> he figured that they would talk about the team. Smart. Right? Uh, when fans, someone was like, yep, okay. Yes, yep. I will accept that yep. as his logic, yes. Yeah. That is okay with me that he did it for that purpose. This is Peter Griffin right now. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> when the fans booed an outfielder named Al Smith, Bill gave everyone named Smith a free ticket as Al Smith's guests. Comiskey <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Part set an attendance record that year for the stadium. And the most Smiths that ever attended a game, actually. In 1960, he added players' names on the back of their road uniforms. This eventually became the norm all over baseball. He also built an exploding scoreboard. <laughs> You take the good with the bad. You take the good with the bad. Quote, fireworks explode beneath the scoreboard while tape recordings give out virtually every sound imaginable. A cavalry charge, machine gun fire, two trains crashing head on, subway screechings, jet bombers, and a woman screaming, Fireman, save my child! <laughs> Dude, if you're there for the first time, you're like, The apocalypse! The, what is the last one? Does it help save my child? A woman screaming, Fireman, save my child! <laughs> you know, just to make sure. Fans loved it. The opposing players were enraged. As they should be, man. Yep. Yeah. A Cleveland player threw a baseball at the scoreboard. <laughs> When in New York, after Mickey Mantle hit a home run, the Yankees paraded in front of the White Sox dugout with sparklers. <laughs> oh, my God. And he was like, now that's a great idea. That's terrific. Sparkler day. <laughs> a thousand fans dead on sparkler day. Uh, baseball was just better back then, man. Like, it really it was. is true. I mean, when you think about like what the commissioners of sports have to do now, like they really they kill a lot of like the fun. Like they take like celebrating out of this is before they knew you could make rules about that. They were like, grumble, 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 grumble. 
Let the dwarf bat. <laughs> Let. And now the dwarf. 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 That's where bobbleheads came from. <laughs> Google it. Eventually, all clubs added sound and light shows to their scoreboards. The team set. Help, ten- my wife's being murdered! <laughs> they just start competing. My whole family was just murdered and killed by Mexican men! God, that was a weird home run. It sounded. A car just ran over my son! Help! My life has no meaning! Bottom of the six. Pee Wee Dinkman up to bat. Pee Wee's 2'9. Weighs an adorable 46 pounds. Can't hit a curveball fastball, but can't have a strike zone hit. Exploded like a watermelon under a car tire! I'll never shake this moment. That's very visual. I don't know. It got graphic. It got away from me graphically. I was with you. Uh, But uh, Bill's health was failing. He was a heavy smoker and would sometimes cough so much he would pass out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I feel like I I should stop smoking, but I love it so much. There's not... I mean, what do you... Like that? You are 100% the person died. You're like, oh, God, Bill's dead. <laughs> Who? So you thought? Oh man! <laughs> There's a great video on, on the YouTube's of this dude smoking a blunt and coughing so hard he drops out of his chair. <laughs> really hits it, and I think that helps contextually with with this tale. So yeah. I'm bringing. I love you. I'm bringing you, I love your YouTube table. stories. Thank I you. always have. Well, you know, I find they're almost as good as telling someone about a dream you had. <laughs> Neck and neck. Doctors told Bill to retire, so he sold his share, and he did. He was just 47. He wrote an autobiography. 47? Yeah. Jesus. He's how old as fuck. Dude, I'm picturing an 81-year-old man. I had a good run. He wrote an autobiography and ended it by saying, I'll be back. He probably died. And in 1970, he wanted back in. He tried to buy... He's like, I want to try to own all the teams eventually. <laughs> he tried to buy uh, the team in Washington, and then he tried to buy the Baltimore Orioles. He didn't help himself when he testified in a player's lawsuit against the league and called the ball players' situation human bondage. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> then in 1975, the White Sox came up for sale again. The... Oh, yeah. The... The... Owner was close to bankruptcy. The team wasn't very good, and the neighborhood around the park was deteriorating. Mm. <laughs> Time for imagine. a chicken giveaway. <laughs> really? <What>? Really? <laughs> oh no! I didn't even mean okay. that. No! 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 <laughs> <laughs> no! no. Uh, and lobsters, and pigeons, and a thousand free dinners. All the things that were afforded the other neighborhoods prior to this. There we go. You gonna you gonna say watermelons? You racist son of a bitch. I, I enjoy watermelon personally. Everybody enjoys watermelon. That's true. And I agree. 
and everyone in my America is allowed to enjoy a fresh piece of watermelon. <laughs> so... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. He doesn't well, know don't anything help, about history. And that's what makes me such an effective candidate. No one will know about our past. And we'll all live on watermelons. Gary! It's actually Gareth. Now, we're going to need, when we get to the convention, we're going to need to iron that out. The team was on the verge of being moved to Seattle. Bill, now 61, put together a group of 40 investors and put in a bid. American League owners rejected it. They said it was because of all the owners, but it was obvious they just didn't want Bill back in the American League. He got more cash, and they voted his bid down again. But the American League was in a bit of a situation. They couldn't let the White Sox go bankrupt. They didn't want them to move. And finally, the Tigers owner stepped up and said, quote, look, I don't like it any more than you do that we're allowing a guy in here who has called me a son of a bitch. <laughs> over and over and over. <laughs> but gentlemen, we've got to take another vote. Bill was voted in. <laughs> when Bill heard, he kicked his prosthetic leg above his head. <laughs> and he got cigarette butts all over his face. Don't do that, Bill. Look how happy I am. He was in the hotel where baseball's winter meetings were being held at the time. He put up a banner that said open for business in the hotel lobby, and then he spent 14 hours making trades right there in front of the public. <laughs> what? He just put a table in the lobby and started making deals for players. And the other owner's like, what the fuck did we do? <laughs> this guy's mental! <laughs> what? That's a power move. Oh, shit. The guys who had just voted him in were furious. <laughs> Bud Selig fumed. This is a meat market. <laughs> fuck Bud Selig. Fuck Bud Selig. <laughs> and the girl in agreement, even the people who don't like baseball. Fuck Bud Selig. My... My, bud, my buddy Brett, who's here tonight, saw Bud Selig at a light and just honked his horn and he looked over and he went like that to him. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, unfortunately for Bill, his timing wasn't great. Free agency hit the league, which meant players couldn't be bound to a team for life and that they were going to make a lot more money. Bill didn't have much leeway as far as money went. He was already running on fumes. Imagine Seems that. To, yeah, shocking, shocking news. <laughs> On opening day to celebrate America's bicentennial. <laughs> He's just celebrating anything. He's like, come on. Well, it is the 200 year of our country. This, a lot of people celebrated that. This I mean, is going to be amazing. Made, we made special Ooh, money. Like, it was a thing. Uh, Ooh la la. Bill reenacted the What do you want, 30 lobsters? 36, bro. My lobsters come in packs of 12. Bill reenacted the famous painting. <laughs> yeah, 12 pack what? of lobsters? Just gonna go get a 12 pack of beer and lobster. <laughs> Call it a day. 
Bill reenacted the famous painting, The Spirit of 76. He, he and two other employees walked across the field. They wore bandages and uniforms of the Revolutionary Army. Bill had his peg leg and played a fife. And carried a fife? What? The entire season's uh, entire season was an endless stream of stunts. There were belly dancers, parades of horse and cattle. Parades of horse and cattle? Yeah. Like during the game? Well, no, I'm assuming before. Okay. I don't but think still, that they're like, that... here's the third. No, no, and I don't what mean the that. Fuck, I don't mean that. Cattle. They're expecting it's a, a new... stampede, gentlemen. Oh, you meant to wait. Sorry. Um, and and random prizes for fans. He had the players wear Bermuda shorts for some games. Amazing. They have to slide. <laughs> Not during that game. He had the 53-year-old manager play one day as DH. <laughs> Why? Just because. Fair. Attendance went up 20%. It almost sounds like he's... Brewster and Brewster's millions and he's just gotta like spend all this fucking money fast so he's just doing everything he can but he still couldn't afford to pay free agents players paychecks doubled in three years but worst of all it was the disco era (laughs) now you guys know where this is going Steve Dahl was born in Pasadena Oh, I know where it is. You do? No. <laughs> no, no, you no, 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 nothing. Steve Dahl was born in Pasadena on November 20th, 1954. In high school, he started hanging around a local radio station and soon dropped out of school. Who does that? <laughs> Who is like, man, radio, I don't want to get an education. Actually, that makes sense. <laughs> you guys have man cow here, right? Yeah. There's no way he's educated. <laughs> Fuck man cow. <laughs> Fuck man cow. That's gonna be the name of this episode. I- I'm available to call in, man. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, Steve was soon told he'd never make it in radio because he had too high of a voice. But he eventually landed a morning job in Detroit where he became very successful. Because of his high ratings, he was offered a job on a Chicago radio station. I almost said Chicago. Chicago. Uh, and he took it in 1978. The hell's going on over there with your What's accent, you Billy? Doing a little... Okay. I'm surprised you haven't done one yet. Well, what are you going to do? Now that I found out this guy has a little high voice. <laughs> That's right. Coming up to bat. Uh, his morning radio show in uh, Chicago did not go well. The show is called Steve Dahl's Rude Awakening Show. It never got very good ratings. Then, 10 months into the gig, on Christmas Eve, 1978, the station changed its format from rock to disco, and Dahl was fired. Oh, fuck. Mm. Now Steve Dahl was mad at his old station, and he was mad at disco. (laughs) Interesting setup. I'm excited to see where we go. I think we were all a little mad at disco at one time or another. Mm. You like your disco? I like it. I like, it's very funky. I like funk music, so yeah. This is weird. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know why. This, Dave, this is a safe place. Yeah, you're in a safe place. I got, like we, disco. Like, it, it got so quiet, I was like, okay. This is, yeah. this is, this is. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> um, sorry. I like disco, too. Okay. <laughs> and what about this story? 
In March, Dahl was hired by another station to do a morning show. He met and had good on-air banter with the overnight DJ, Gary Meyer. Soon the two were teamed up. Yeah, anytime the name... You, I mean, it's like, it's like an uncomfortable event we don't talk about. So when you say Gary and there's a pause, we all think the same thing, which is that, you know, something should be said about it. I've already used the It's Gareth joke a couple times. I'm out of that one. His name was Gary Meyer. Soon the two were teamed up, but Meyer's on-air name was not Gary. It was Matthew. Uh, it was Matthew. Uh, what? Oh! I think he wins. That all changed when Dahl accidentally started calling him Gary on air. <laughs> I mean... Don't you touch me. You, don't you get in this bed. Uh, Poor motherfucker. He was probably like, it's Matthew. Uh, Gary. It's actually Matthew. Gary. It's over. Your name's Gary from now on. Soon Gary dropped Matthew and went with his name, Gary. <laughs> I know to you, you're like, no. Ah. Be a little bit more like the Matthew. Right? Huh? How about a little flexibility, Come Gary? A little more understanding. <laughs> On air, the two relentlessly mocked and attacked Disco and Dahl's former station. That must have been great to listen to. Yeah. The station was W-D-A-I, and they called it Disco Die. Get, get it? Yeah. Guys, get it? Yeah, yeah. That's some fucking morning radio comedy right there. How long can that sustain where people are like, hey, you know what else I really hate about Disco is you're like, these guys are the best disco shit talk station in town. <laughs> like that's the slogan on the flyer. The right best there. disco shit talk station in town. There's us, then there's the rest. Nobody talks country shit. Country and jazz. Country and jazz? Mm-hmm. They were onto something. Dahl attracted a legion of fans that he called the insane coho lips. They sound like Trump people. I don't know. <laughs> like, we hate disco. I know yeah. what you're really saying, sir. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got you. The name referred to a local street gang, the Insane Unknowns, and a local fish, the Coho Salmon. Wait. 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 Does anybody know what's happening right now? Do you have a local coho salmon? Yeah? So he put those together, because that's the kind of shit that a morning radio DJ will do. He'll just take random shit and put it together, and then people will follow that. They must have sold a lot of shirts. Are you a part of the insane cohos? I yeah. still can't wrap my mind around what's just been said. He, there was a local gang called the Insane Unknowns and a local fish called the Coho Salmon. Put it together, bitch. <laughs> Not call me bitch. It's very offensive. Yes, call me Gary. Thank you, my dear. I think Matthew has a nice ring to it. The slogan for Dolls fan club became Disco Sucks. Well, that rings a bell. Well, that's clever. It is clever. It works on one level. Dahl started holding, <laughs> Dahl started holding small anti-disco rallies for his coho fans. 
At one rally, they threw marshmallows at a WDAI promotional van for a teen disco and chased it into a nearby park. <laughs> Wait, I mean, that's the, the radio station they work for? So they're like, that's gonna... their old one. Oh, okay, all right. The WDAI. Right, right. WDAI. Thank you. So they, but they threw marshmallows at it because these guys are fucking yes, that's what insane cohos. That's crazy. Mm. Uh, they also occupied a disco on another night. Oh, look out. You remember the Occupy Disco movement? That was big. <laughs> that was big. Violence broke out at one rally when hundreds of cohos couldn't make it into a promotional event. It ended in fistfights and the police had to be called in to break up the crowd. I assume they were just fighting each other. You know why? Because that's, that's how co-hos co-hos, bro. That's you know how a coho is. Local salmon. Yeah, loco coho. This loco salmon is crazy. <laughs> when disco singer Van McCoy died suddenly, Dahl destroyed his record on air. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so, it's so morning weird. teach. I don't know if you guys know this about morning teachers, but they actually have no soul. Disco was hitting its peak. People were starting to hate it, particularly since performers like Rod Stewart were starting to dabble in it. Even the Rolling Stones had a hit with Miss You. At the 1979 Grammy Awards, rock and roll performers lost to disco artists. People were starting to say rock was done and the anger was building against disco. I gotta say, I didn't think when we were Make America great again. (laughs) All this fucking disco. You You don't know about it? Yeah, I know about this. Thousands of people died in the disco wars. Uh, <laughs> terrible. In Seattle, hundreds of fans attacked a mobile dance floor. <laughs> Who do you root for? I just want to see a mobile the... dance floor. I just want to see. So I, Sorry I... about the hard breaks, guys. This guy in traffic's a real bitch. So get out off the freeway. It'll probably be a lot easier for you guys to dance while I drive. Because that's what we're doing. Because yes. eh, cocaine. All right, let's just keep. In Portland, a DJ destroyed disco records with a chainsaw in front of thousands of fans. I mean, it's just fun. Over at Comiskey Park, the White Sox are not having a great season and ticket sales were down. Oh, boy. <laughs> Is what? Was Bill yeah. still there? Uh, Bill's still there? Oh, oh, oh okay. Bill's there. Bill's he's got to be there. Don't forget and about He's got to be. Yeah. He's seeing Bring an opportunity. Bring together, son. Synergy. Yeah. It's all coming for When Bill now. took over the White Sox, he asked his son Mike to help him run the team. Mike was a chip off the old block and strongly believed in promotions and bringing fun to baseball. <laughs> Where did he get that from? In 1978, Mike got a call from a guy who worked for United Artists Agency. He proposed a dance contest at Comiskey Park sponsored by Coke. They put plywood stages down, and 25,000 kids showed up to dance. Wow. Fuck. High on Coke. Yeah. <laughs> Coke down their little brains. One of them was actually the little batter from before. Not a lot of people know that. Pee-wee. Pee-wee. Pee-wee Dinkleman. Dink- Dinkman. <laughs> Whatever his last name is that we invented an hour ago. Uh... It was a huge success. Then the next year, the guy from United Artists calls back and told Mike to turn on his radio and listen to Steve Dahl on WLUP. The Loop. Oh, is that a good station? Oh, it was. It's gone? What is it now? Rock? Classic rock? Mancow's on it? Horrible. Mancow's on there. Mancow's fucking great. 
if you ever get a chance, really listen to that. It's like, it's like you know what it's like? It's like reading a book every morning. It makes you want to listen to disco hate radio. <laughs> uh, Dahl was on the air talking about an event he was going to hold where he was going to blow up disco records at a shopping mall. <laughs> Could not do that today. I think that's fair to say. No, you probably couldn't. No, probably? My God. Well, so I mean, many people would be shot. How badly the mall needed business. Fireman, save my baby! As soon as it blows up. As soon as Dahl got off the air, Mike called him and asked him if he'd like to blow up the records at Comiskey Park instead. Uh, uh, it's just, okay, so that's like an insane man who's been living on ins- just insane juice for years, gets a call from an equally insane man being like, do you want to take your insanity to the big leagues? And he's like, I knew I wasn't insane. <laughs> His parents are like, that's the worst thing that could have happened to him because now he just really believes in it. He wants to, he wants to murder the Bee Gees. Mike said he could get 40,000 kids there instead of the 3,000 Dahl hoped to get at the mall. Dahl said he was in. An earlier game against the Detroit Tigers had been rained out and was scheduled to be part of a doubleheader on July 12, 1979. Mike had already planned to have a team night that would allow kids to buy tickets for half price. Attendance hadn't been high that year at the stadium. Dahl was concerned no one would show up and he would be embarrassed. Yeah, God forbid. I didn't know morning DJs could be embarrassed. Quote, I was really just trying to get through the evening without being humiliated. I mean, how many people could you draw? A few thousand? The park would still look empty. This led Dahl to prom- promote hard for weeks. The promotion was simple. Bring a disco record and get in for just 98 cents. The ticket... What? What? The ticket price matched WLUP's frequency, FM 98. You could give up the record at the gate... And between the two games, Dahl would blow up the records in a bin on the field. (laughs) All right. Fair plan. Yep. They expected around 20,000 fans. Mike hired security for 35,000 just in case. The game the night before had 15,000. Oh, boy. The stadium capacity was 52,000. Oh, boy. Bill Veck was in a hospital having tests done. But he had a bad feeling about the promotion. Bill, have you been... Bill, have you been ashing in your leg again? <laughs> you know what? I ashed in the real one. How, Bill? I was really drunk. You're not supposed to be drinking in here. Uh, no, I'm giving away free beers <laughs> at, the, at the hospital. Oh, my God. Everybody gets free beer. He's got a problem. There's a lobster in your bedpan. <laughs> Welcome to Fun Hospital. Uh, and then the rubber face guy just walks in and is like, you've got cancer. Uh, sorry, you said cancer. I'm what? That's a funny face, though. That is funny. Um, I love that Bill had a bad feeling about a promotion. Yeah. How fucked up is that? It's insane. That would be like Charles Manson being like, take it easy. <laughs> Slow down. Sounds a little outlandish to me, I'll be honest. Bill checked himself out of the hospital and his worries were confirmed when he saw lots of fans walking down the street holding records and signs that said things like, fuck disco. (laughs) Oh, that doesn't, that seems very aggressive. (laughs) 
During the first game, the stands kept filling up. Alan Trammell, the Tigers shortstop, noticed the atmosphere was a bit different. <laughs> Quote, I remember from the get-go, it wasn't a normal crowd. Between innings, the ground crew came out and cleared away debris that was being thrown on the field in the warning track. Oh, they were throwing lighters, firecrackers, empty liquor bottles, <laughs> and they were throwing records like Frisbees. <laughs> you asked them to bring records in. Those things will fly. The game, the game was stopped a few times to clean up the field. After the record bin had reached capacity, the workers at the turnstiles stopped taking records from kids coming in and just let them go in with them. Wait, why? I don't know, Chicago? I don't know. <laughs> it was just I don't like disco. Let's not take them anymore. You guys get to keep your disco records. <laughs> Anyway, so I what said can, to Charlie, What can they do with the record? Yeah. What can happen out there? There's that no stadium? record players up there. Duh. All right, anyway, so me and Charlie, we're hanging out, right? And some kids brought more than one record, which, and they were now being tossed all over the stadium. White Sox radio broadcaster. That would be so Harry fun to be Carey. drunk at. Oh, my God. Tremendous. Just, just heaving but fucking every, records. But every like report discs. I read was that people were just getting hit in the back of the head by records. <laughs> Well, I'm saying you got to be intoxicated for the fun, but you'd be like, oh, I almost hit the shortstop again. I'm going to fuck that dude up. I never liked that motherfucker. See where he looked at me? Uh, White Sox radio broadcaster Harry Carey, yes, he was at one time the White Sox broadcaster. Hey. Yeah. Said groups were just wandering around the stadium, not at all concerned about the game. Detroit Tiger Rusty Staub said... Quote, they would slice around you and stick in the ground. It wasn't just one, it was many. Dude, it just got like Games of Throny all of a yeah. sudden. It's just like, just sticking in the ground. Like, Shit, that one really was humming. That was a lot of air on that one. That's something, they're really, these guys have arms. <laughs> they would slice around you and stick in the ground. It wasn't just one, it was many. Oh, God almighty, I've never seen anything so dangerous in my life. I begged the guys to put on their batting helmets. Oh, my God. And they did. As the innings wore on, the outfielders were all wearing their batting helmets while in the field. <laughs> Outfielder Ron LaFleur had learned to play baseball in prison. So he was like, I'm back, baby. <laughs> the moment I've been training for. He learned in prison. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're like, yeah. And yes, yeah, sometimes the pitcher will stab the catcher, but that's usual, guys. That's the norm. <laughs> One guy dies every game. That's, those are the rules. In happens. The, happens. Three strikes, you get shivved. <laughs> rules are rules. Uh, Ron had become a heroin addict at a young age and used to break into the Stroh's Brewery and steal beer. <laughs> Could you imagine breaking into a brewery? Like, this guy's a fucking American hero. He's a heroine. Like, he's not bringing his stores. <laughs> oh. Shh. I gave you a sound effect. <laughs> Fireman, save my baby! Uh, Ron had dropped out of high school at 15 and was eventually sentenced to 5 to 15 years for armed robbery. He tried out for the Tigers while on day parole. Wow. You don't hear these stories anymore. 
What a great story. How was the outside? Good. I'm a tiger now. Uh, <laughs> fuck the... <laughs> Fuck the Jackie Robinson story. Like, yeah. I, w- I want to see this shit. For sure. Uh, <laughs> even Ron was afraid. And Trammell said he wasn't afraid of anything. <laughs> the stadium reached capacity. The event was sold out. And they were somehow still coming. People were now reaching down and helping others climb up the walls and over fences. <laughs> People brought ladders and used them to climb in. It's like they're storming a fucking castle. (laughs) And up above, the guards are pouring hot oil. (laughs) I knew we shouldn't do the ladder giveaway the same night. I I said it in the meeting. (laughs) It was estimated there were now 60,000 inside and 40,000 outside trying to get in. Disco really sucked. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) the mob outside then began attacking the ticket booths the ticket booths were mainly I think John Travolta's in here (laughs) come on you guys the ticket booths were mainly manned by older people and they were freestanding and the co-hosts began to shake them violently Right? They're insane co-hosts. These are not sane co-hosts. Yeah, they're not sane co-hosts You're looking for sane co-hosts, look for another story. (laughs) They're lawless. They will murder an old person in a ticket booth because they want to get into a baseball stadium with their disco record to show their anger. (laughs) You've heard it a million times. Oh. So Mike sent all of his security guards, except about 30, outside to control the crowd. They were now... Wait, and he planned for like 30,000 tops, right? 35,000. And now they're all outside. And he was like overestimating. He's like, that'll be fine. (laughs) Disco doesn't suck that much. Outside the stadium, they were now putting their records in piles and setting bonfires. (laughs) Crazy hippies. (laughs) These are not like disco. No. Meanwhile, the Chicago Police Department tried to stop the flow of traffic to the stadium. They closed the expressway exit at 31st and 25th Streets, and traffic backed up for miles. Inside the stadium, everyone was pounding Schlitz beer. (laughs) And everyone there agrees there was a lot of illegal drug activity going on in the stands. And some people were there to see baseball. Some guys like... My son is a little uncomfortable with you junking up in front of him. <laughs> Could you do it between your toes instead of your cock? Is that possible? I don't mean to be a stick in the mud. It's just we... I got one place left. We just drove four and a half hours. He's yeah, never been really? to a game before. He was very excited. And just to see a groan... You know why it's hard to watch? Do you understand what I mean? You know what? Maybe your boy needs to grow up a little bit. You know, See a he's man five. put a needle he's five, in his he's five dick. Years. He's, okay, all right. Welcome to baseball, motherfucker. <laughs> I'd put a hat on his head, but everyone would think he's a tiger. <laughs> uh, Dahl was dressed in his usual outfit for disco record destroying. <laughs> sure, what is that? Like the Rocketeer. Military fatigues in a helmet. Oh my God! Put He's a the general. Him. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the press room with co-host Gary. <laughs> and 
and a model they flew in from L.A. for the event, Lorelai. Who had a lot of questions. <laughs> what is this again? Uh, I, th- I do a lot of runway. And this is... Um, oh. Well, she did sexually suggestive, suggestive ads for the radio station. <laughs> so they flew her in. When the first game... What does game, that even mean? Like this show sucks. We want your dick sucked? <laughs> no, that's not... That's huh? just straight oh, up. Oh, listen to... That's not huh? really suggestive as much as it is like... Propositioning? Yeah. Oh, I don't know how it well, works. she would do them on TV. The radio you think disco time. sucks? Well, so does your dick. When it's in my... How does it work? <laughs> huh? I don't understand. <laughs> what do you see me? <laughs> When the first game ended, they were taken downstairs and put in a jeep with two bodyguards in the jeep and two more running alongside. They were driven around the stadium, waving to the crowd. Then they got to the middle of the field and Dahl started chanting, Disco sucks, over and over. The crowd joined in. One man said he went with his Boy Scout group. They were just... (laughs) Uh, Scout leader Parker? people so mad about? Uh, they were just eight years old and didn't even know it was disco, disco record blow-up night. The scout leader was hit in the back of the head by a record. Yes. Scout leader, the back of your neck is bleeding a lot. Just keep looking ahead, Timmy. You know what? I just, I just got a badge. Just look, look on the field, Timmy. Just keep looking ahead. Who got the lost an eye to a disco record badge this week? All right. Uh, But even the young scouts got excited and joined the chanting. (laughs) He's got to be like, oh, God. It's like Lord of the Flies. One of them's drinking beer, and I can't tell him no right now. (laughs) This guy fucking sucks, man. Hold on, I'm going to do a bump real quick. (laughs) Oh, shit, scout leader. Oh, my God, Timmy. It's only the fourth inning, Timmy, and you've already developed a cocaine habit. I don't... Somebody got a bump badge. Oh, boy. Meanwhile, the second game starter, White Sox pitcher Ken Kravick, came out and started warming up on the mound. The other White Sox sat in the dugout wearing helmets. <laughs> People in the stands who, uh, who were getting concerned found they had a hard time leaving because security had locked all but one gate. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It's like they've never heard of the, the Triangle Factory fire. <laughs> I have not heard of that. You haven't either, have you? Sure I have. This is an isosceles factory. <laughs> On the field, Dahl said, This is now officially the world's largest anto- anti-disco rally. Now listen, we took all the disco records you brought tonight, and we got them in a giant box, and we're going to blow them up real good. And the crowd was worked into a frenzy. That's exactly right. <laughs> Dahl then blew up the bin of records that had been rigged with explosives. The bin was four by six by five feet. Huge explosion. Records flew everywhere. A large hole was left in the outfield. <laughs> this is fucking nuts, yeah? That is amazing. This is when the crowd... Incoming! This is when the crowd seemed to notice there weren't many security guards around. They had all been sent outside to control the people. All 30 of them, right? Then one guy ran on the field. Oh, boy. And then immediately another. Oh, boy. And then it was on. Oh, God. The pitcher, Kravik, ran off the field, 
and he and his teammates went into the clubhouse and barricaded it. (laughs) Some walking dead shit right now. (laughs) You're barricading yourself in the dugout. Lorelai said she was suddenly grabbed by two bodyguards and carried over to the Jeep. Steve and Jerry... Gary, sorry. It's actually Jareth. <laughs> Jerry. Uh, they jumped in and they drove off as people streamed onto the field. At this point, there were so many people on the field they couldn't drive out the way they had come in, so the Jeep was driven off the field, out of the park, and onto the street. Oh my God! It's like Jumanji. (laughs) (laughs) On the south side, though. Yes. Out on the street, the people saw Dahl and Lorelai and screamed and waved at them. They waved back. The Jeep was then driven around to the front of the building, and they were taken back up into the press room. And there they could see the chaos on the field. There are now thousands of people running around on the grass. (laughs) Harry Carey watched from his broadcast booth. Oh, my God. The idea that he was there. Uh, Holding the microphone against his yellow polyester shirt. The batting cage was being spun around in the outfield. There were shirtless guys who, had, who were climbing high up on the foul poles. Fires were breaking out in the outfield. Fires breaking? Just imagine sweet little old Harry Carey who just loves baseball. Yeah. And he's just watching this fucking madness. <laughs> Commentating from... Uh, I don't spin this one. There are fires now. Another fire left field. It's two fires on the left, three of the right field. <laughs> Holy cow! I've never seen more fires in my entire life. Harry then said what he always said when something really exciting happened. <laughs> Holy cow! The crowd cheered. But he no likes one... what we're doing! <laughs> no. And no one left. The bases were ripped up and stolen. The dugouts were looted. Wait, the people stole bases? Yeah. Ah! It's a fun See, stat. He's clever, this one. The playing field grass was being ripped up. Some even said people were having sex on the field. I mean, these Cubs guys. All right, hey. now officially cover your eyes. No, I'm going to fuck a third. Oh, my God. The, uh, Baby, it's like we always dreamed about. Fucking on the pitcher's mound during an anti-disco rally. There are now an estimated 7,000 people running around on the field. Oh, my God. I didn't think that many could fit. Why have I never heard of this in my fucking life? Like, like this is not like... <laughs> I'm 35. I have never heard of this shit at all. The crowd then destroyed the batting cage and set it on fire. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. As you do. Next, to try to calm the crowd, the White Sox organist started to play Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> So, like, like they're all, all going to be like, oh. But, like, if you, it's like you have a limited amount of signs to communicate something. You're like, what will make them appreciate baseball? This is your chance, Danny. <laughs> they didn't just shut it down. They just, they just kept on going, right? Yeah, no. no they were like, nuts. no, this all sucks. Right. Harry <laughs> tried again. What say we all regain our seats so we can play baseball again? <laughs> the- Fuck you, Harry! Okay, all right. He uh, seems to be very angry out there. Right. I'm going to go over to the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd cheered again, and again, no one left the field. They were tossing broken records around. Fans were now setting their own banners on fire. 
Steve Dahl got on the PA system and told them to stop, but even he had no control. Well, what do you... Like, come on, guys, really? It's like, I mean... Yeah, he already... Yeah. yeah they're like, we have your bases, motherfucker. Come get them. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the Empire's room, Bill Vec was arguing that the second game should go on as planned. Let me finish! It's a great promotion! Let me finish! He tried to make the case that it was a happy crowd, not a mean one. The crew chief disagreed. The Chicago police were called to clear the field. They came out in riot gear and with horses, and everyone who was sober ran off. As the baseball fans in the stands applauded. Six people were injured and 39 were arrested. The supervisor, the supervisor of umpires that night was named Nestor Chilek. Sure. He also happened to be the crew chief on Tencent Beer Night. Oh, wow. <laughs> that guy was like, uh, I'm just going to get a job at a bank, I think. Tencent I don't like baseball beer. anymore. Yeah, baseball's gotten a little weird. Ah, uh, you know, just seen so many murders at the ballpark, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tencent Beer Night. <laughs> He met with his umpires, Bill Veck, and the Tigers and White Sox managers. Home plate had been dug up and was gone, as were, as were all the bases. <laughs> dug up. Yeah, seriously. I like, this is going to be a dig, and we're going to do it right, gentlemen. And the field was torn to pieces and was in no shape to play on, even after the grounds crew tried to fix it for an hour. <laughs> for an hour? Well, it's not, it's not great. Um... Uh, you know, that's the first time I've tried to repair f- fires. Let me ask you this. How fire-resistant is your left outfielder? I'm going to say don't play then. Um, the Tigers manager won his argument. The second game was forfeited. It wasn't a hard call to make. Bill Vec complained and asked, what am I going to do with all the tickets I have to refund? Nobody seemed to care. A dollar. Yeah, yeah, a dollar. 98 cents, right. Right? Yeah. A dollar. As the crowd was informed, the second game had been forfeited. On the TV recording, you can hear Bill explaining, please keep your rain checks. We'll tell you what to do with them once we figure it all out. <laughs> Bill later told the press that just one vendor had been injured. He broke a hip. <laughs> Quote, the great thing was all the kids were stoned. We... <laughs> It's really crazy that you don't know which way you mean. <laughs> we, if we had drunks to deal with, then we've had, we've had some real trouble. These kids were really docile. I mean, except for the whole being on the field and fucking and setting fires. <laughs> Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer went to a nearby Holiday Inn and holed up for the night. They listened to the local talk shows where everyone blamed them and said they should be fired. The next day, they got up and went to work. Dahl kicked off his show by reading and mocking the headlines in the local papers. You believe this? They're saying we fucked up. Believe that? Crazy. Stand by it. Quote, I think for the most part, everything was wonderful. Some maniac co-hosts got wild, went down on the field, which you shouldn't have done. Bad little co-hosts. <laughs> yeah, see, he's Good having night. a good time. Ah. Ah. Having some fun. White Sox picture and Texas uh, and Texan... Rich Wortham said, this wouldn't have happened if they had country and western night. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. 
Belvac received a lot of the scorn, and his son Mike took the professional hit. Mike resigned the next year. Bill's money had run out, and his health was failing. He was losing his eyesight and hearing. He had emphysema. Did you know he was a smoker? <laughs> I knew his leg was. <laughs> and he had an operation on his good whole leg. He agreed to sell oh, the team. That took me a minute. Yeah. He agreed to sell the team, but once again, his, his fellow American <laughs> League owners were there to make him suffer a little bit more. They blocked the sale of the team to Eddie DiBartolo because he owned racetracks. Eddie thought it was because he was Italian and they associated with the mafia. Vex said, no. I've never been ashamed to be a member of the American League, but I am now. Really? <laughs> Chicago real estate developer Jerry Reisdorf and TV uh, man Eddie Einhorn bought the White Sox. At their first press conference... Einhorn insulted Bill Vec by saying they would run a high-class operation. Einhorn later said Bill called the park the world's largest outdoor saloon, and he was proud of it. <laughs> it is great, though. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. true. It, it, it would be like a restaurant that like a professional would come in to fix. Like if it was like that, that's fun. It's he's, a fun the be- he's the best. He's the best owner that baseball's ever had. Ever, ever. ever. Uh, I want to see a 30 for 30 on this motherfucker. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? That's true. We built uh, this shit. Yeah. Bill was insulted. He never went back to Comiskey Park. Then Bill went back to being a Cubs fan, like he was as a kid. He was a regular in the famous Wrigley Field bleachers. And then in 1984, he died of lung cancer. I can't believe smoking killed this guy. Shocking. Mike was basically blackballed from Major League Baseball. No one would hire him. He started drinking heavily, lost custody of his son in divorce, and ended up in Florida hanging drywall. Oof. That is a fucking bottom. <laughs> hanging drywall in Florida. Ugh. Holy fuck. That is tough. Drywall in Florida really hurt that outcome. Oh, my God. Then he found his way into advertising where he worked for 10 years. That's where he was working when the owners of the Miami Miracle asked him to work for them. The Miami Miracle were a Class A-level club owned by a group that included Bill Murray. Mike went to work for the club and went back to crazy promotions. Mike found himself bouncing around baseball again. He was working for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays when the 20th anniversary of Disco Demolition Night was approaching. He decided to have an anniversary Disco Demolition Night... What? Yes. What's he doing? Yes. Go back to that well. I'm kind of getting nostalgic for all that pitcher mound fucking and fires. I just... <laughs> we had some laughs. They were going to have an anniversary night when they got a cease and desist letter from Steve Dahl's lawyers. Oh. You stole... going to be from the Gibbs. <laughs> because Dahl had copyrighted the term yeah. disco demolition yeah. night. Like a fucking monster. (laughs) (laughs) If they wanted to have an anniversary celebration, they would have to pay Steve Dahl. The club did not have an anniversary night. Mike is now owner with Bill Murray and uh, and others in five independent baseball clubs. He has run an umpireless night. (laughs) Ball nine! (laughs) Walk. Strike six. <laughs> you are out safe. <laughs> he 
tried to hold a vasectomy day on Father's Day. <laughs> it was, wow. On oh, Father's, Father's Day. Day. What is he, like, what is his message even? Oh, and you know those conditions weren't good. You're like, mm, that what? knife looks dirty. I don't worry about it. What did Last they guy seemed clean. Just get on the table. <laughs> they gave you out the picnic table. They gave out vasectomies during during this day, or is it just like they gave out bobbleheads of like they got like balls a coo- or something? They got like a coupon. They got a coupon to get a vasectomy. Oh. That was the idea. I thought they got it like live. I was right hoping they no, no, they didn't like take him down. He's to like it. the hot dog guy. Vasectomies, vasectomies, <laughs> two. Pass them down. <laughs> what, I gotta do this myself? Yeah, yeah, use those forceps. No, clamp the other vein. Oh. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was so much religi- religious opposition to vasectomy night, he had to cancel it. Oh. Motherfuckers. Who do you root for? Motherfuckers. He had uh, dogs and pigs deliver baseballs to the umpires. What? What the fuck are you talking about? What? That's awesome. <laughs> Why a pig? Pigs? Why pigs? Why a Why? pig? The I umpire's mean... just like, God damn it! <laughs> fucking pig! There's more where that came from, umpire. <sighs> he had mimes perform instant replays. <laughs> I mean, now you're just going with the hits. Now it's just <laughs> rapid fire. <laughs> what? What does that even look like? I mean, yeah. You're like, oh, and see, I guess his leg did touch. His leg did touch if you watch it close. He once locked all They're the... they trapped fa- in the batter's box. <laughs> he once locked all the fans out of a game to set the lowest attendance record. It really is. American this is hero. Like this Bruce guy's a hero. Really. He's an American hero. And sometimes Bill Murray is a first base coach. (laughs) Well, he's got that rubbery face. Bill Beck was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1991. They waited until he was dead. His plaque at Cooperstown reads, A Champion of the Little Guy. Steve Dahl continued on as a typical morning DJ. He made parody songs like a parody of my Sharona called Ayatollah. He, he, uh, <laughs> it rhymes! It rhymes! Kinda. Ayatollah. He parodied John Wayne Gacy with the song Another Kid in the Crawl sung to the Pink Floyd song Another Brick in the Wall but he stopped playing it after all the parents of the murdered children complained. Because morning DJs have nothing inside of them. It's hollow, and what's in there is black. What was, what was it called? Another Kid in the Crawl. Ah. The fucking monster. Worse than John Wayne Gacy. How was he not fired at that point? Yeah, what do you have to do to get fired? I, like, I All right. Enough is enough. It's your last warning. No more riots or murder parody songs. Of children. Of children. Children. Oh, what a great child killer song. It's my favorite of the killer song puns for children. I really do. We were about to re- record a uh, Dahmer do song. and 
That's, I guess we're not going to do that one. We're going to do a Domlup. <laughs> Stephen uh, Gary, Stephen Gary eventually split in 1993. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Gary uh, blamed it on Just Dolls. Gary as much as you could. In Gary there. blamed it on Dolls' alcoholism and associated behavior. Doll bounced around different stations, never rating that high. He was eventually laid off from Jack FM in 2008. Jack FM. He in was the 2008? only. He was the only DJ, like a live DJ on Jack FM. That they've ever had. Now they just have a recorded voice. And since they still owed him money, he started podcasting. Oh, fuck me. He now has a podcasting network. What's it called? We don't want to promote Steve it? Steve Dolls. I was going to make fun of it, but we then should have I, him have on a, the doll I have a friend that has a show on there. <laughs> well, I'm glad we know now. Used to. That's it, man. That's the... Well, that's insane. That's the Bill Beck story. That's so crazy. I feel like he's here. Huh? I feel like he's here right now. Like, that would be amazing. And he's in the back right now. There he is. <laughs> and we got Bill Beck's wooden leg. He's dressed like a general. And we're giving away stumps. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're all. You know what? Who's in? Who's in seat forty-eight? You get a monkey, but not a good one. <laughs> it's eating my nuts. I feel like my luck's finally turning around. <laughs> uh, you guys, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, there are uh, still some tickets for the next show. If you want to come, there's still a few available. And uh, we'll be signing posters right at the table, right outside that door out there. And uh, we, yeah, we'll sign cars. And cars. We sign cars. Thank you Thank so you. much, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth. You know from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army. To join me for, I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it let's see you there hey there people listening to the dollop uh this is gareth yes the same guy i listen i have a new podcast called we're here to help that i'm doing with my friend jake johnson it's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't but we try to help people with problems that are important to them you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts and it is out right now so go listen to we're here to help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, 
fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. 